So this podcast is all about the Louisiana Medicaid asset and income limits for 2018 with some analysis of those limits. But before I get into that, let me, let me tell you a little story about a, uh, a wealthy old fella, and he uh, asked his doctor, his priest, and his lawyer to come to his bedside. He was about to pass away, and he was wealthy, and he told the three of them, he said, you know what, they say you can't take it with you, but I'd like to have something with me just in case. So I'm going to give you each of you an envelope with $100,000 in cash, and I'd be grateful if at my funeral you would put those envelopes in my coffin. So the three of them each agree to carry out his wish. Well, at, old man passed away a few days later, and at the old man's funeral, each of those three advisors, the doctor, priest, and the lawyer, slipped an envelope into his coffin. And as the three of them were walking away together, the, the doctor turned to, turns to the other two and he says, well, friends, I have a confession to make. At the hospital, we were desperate for a new CAT scan machine. So I took $30,000 of our friend's money for a new machine, and I put the rest of the coffin in the envelope and in his coffin as he asked. And then the priest stepped up and he said, you know what, I, I too have a confession to make. We needed $60,000 for our homeless fund, so I put the rest in the coffin as our friend requested. And then the lawyer kind of righteously replies, he says, you know, I'm astonished that you would treat so casually our undertaking to our friend. I want you to know that I placed in this coffin my personal check for the full $100,000. So there you have it. Even as a lawyer, I can joke about the lawyer jokes. So what we're going to talk about today is is the um, Louisiana Medicaid income and asset limits. It's you know when uh, somebody in Louisiana, typically they're older, they can't take care of themselves, they've got to go into the nursing home. What kind of asset or income um, thresholds can they have? And that will determine whether they have to pay for their nursing home themselves, probably five, six, maybe thousand dollars a month, maybe more, or whether they'll qualify for Louisiana's long-term care Medicaid program to cover that cost. So we'll start with some basics and some things that haven't changed. So first thing I'm going to talk about is the is the um, long-term care countable resource limits. Most people are familiar who have had any kind of discussion about this stuff know about the $2,000 limit. So that's the limit for a single person or a person that's not married. So the way that works, they are going into a nursing home or they're in a nursing home. They apply for Medicaid to cover the cost of the nursing home. There's an application process where they have to disclose all of their assets. Medicaid can you know, search third-party records to verify the information or request third-party uh, records from the applicant, bank, bank statements, tax statements, property statements, all that kind of thing. And so um, if it's a single person, the limit that they can have is, is $2,000 of what's called countable resources. And I, we could do another podcast on what's a countable resource and what's not, but it's pretty much anything other than the house and a car, and, and there's more to it than that. But things like bank accounts, savings accounts, CDs, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, IRAs, um, real estate that's not your home, uh, an interest in a business, all those things are, are countable resources, which if you have more than $2,000 of that when you go into a nursing home, 
you've, you're going to be a private pay patient and you've got to spend all that down until you have less than $2,000 remaining. So that's, that hasn't changed. That's been $2,000 for a very long time, many, many years. And so that's the deal there. Another one that hasn't changed is the long-term care resource limit for married couples. So this is when you have a married couple and they're both in the nursing home. Well, if you think it's expensive for an individual to be in a nursing home, then double that expense because that's what it's gonna, gonna be for a married couple when they're in the nursing home together. And so the resource, countable resource limit for a married couple when they're in the nursing home together is $3,000. So just to give you an example, maybe they go into the nursing home and they have $200,000 of countable resources. Because it's two of them, they'll probably spend anywhere from maybe twelve dollars to $14,000 each month. And they're not going to get any help from Medicaid until they have until they spend those resources down to less than three thousand dollars. So that'll go fast. It'll wipe them out, and then when they get down to less than three thousand dollars, they can apply for and presumably qualify for Medicaid. And then there's a, another resource limit that um, changes every year, and it's the common scenario when you have a married couple and one spouse is in the nursing home called the institutionalized spouse and one st spouse still lives at home or in the community called the community spouse by the way that word community it doesn't have any it doesn't have anything to do with community property it has to do with that that spouse who's not in the nursing home is living in the community so the rationale behind providing for what's called a spousal resource standard is that the spouse who's at home or the community spouse got to have something to live off of. So they have what's called a spousal resource standard. And the number for 2018 is $123,600. So let me give you an example. Uh, husband and wife. Um, have a home and they have a car and they have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank husband goes into the nursing home he's the institutionalized spouse wife um, is still living at home independently she's living in the community count up their countable resources a hundred thousand dollars that's all they have it's less than the one hundred and twenty three thousand six hundred dollars spousal resource standard so that husband who is in the nursing home would qualify for Medicaid. They wouldn't have to spend that $100,000. In fact, if we're going to get nitpicky, um, the spouse, the community spouse can have $123,600. The institutionalized spouse can have up to $2,000. So between the two of them, they could have $125,600 for 2018. Just to give you an idea, while it's uh, the spousal resource standard was 120 is 123,600 for 2018, it was 120,900 for 2017. Okay, so there's your countable resource limits. Another issue that I'm going to get into now is the home equity limit. A lot of people here in their barber shops and coffee shops that the home is exempt. Two points I wanna make on that. While the home is, isn't a countable resource, it's, it's not 
home free, no, no pun intended, um, because um, while it's not a countable resource, I'll call it an exempt asset, when somebody goes into a nursing home, they don't count the home, so that person perhaps will qualify for Medicaid. Medicaid, Medicaid starts paying for the care. Medicaid keeps track of how much money Medicaid is spending for your care. And then when you die, or if you're married when you and your spouse die, Medicaid has estate recovery rights, which allow them to really force that the home be sold to pay Medicaid back for what they spent on your nursing home care, you know, while you were on Medicaid. So there is what's called in Louisiana a home equity limit, and that number has gone up for 2018 to $572,000 for 2017. It was $560,000. So if if your if if there's a Medicaid recipient or a Medicaid applicant and their home or the equity in their home is worth less than $572,000, then they're going to qualify for Medicaid. But if they have a, a very expensive home, let's say it's worth you know um, $800,000, well, that value of that home exceeds the $572,000 you know home equity limit. So you know if that person expects to qualify for Medicaid. You know, perhaps they'll have to, um, well, they may have to sell their home and then use those funds. Boy, that would be a mess. That's a lot of money. Um, and I don't know if this strategy works, but maybe take out a loan on the home to get the equity under the 572, but then you'd have to use those loan proceeds because those would be countable resources. You'd have to, you know, spend those on the nursing home care. So be aware of that $572,000 home equity limit. Okay, so uh, the next thing I want to go over is the is I'm going to move towards the uh, income provisions of the Medicaid manual, and then I'm going to move into some figures if transfers are made. So up until now, we've talked about assets that someone has. If they're single, if they have more than $2,000, they've got to spend it. Married couple in a nursing home together spend more, have more than three thousand dollars. They're not. They're going to be private pay until they spend it down. Um, married couple with an institutionalized spouse and a community spouse one twenty three six hundred for the um, for the community spouse two thousand for the institutionalized spouse so they can have up to one twenty five six hundred. Okay, the next thing I'm going to going to go over um, and really this is as it relates to that married couple with an institutionalized spouse and a community spouse. I want to talk about the, what's called the spouse's maintenance needs. Because just like when one spouse goes into a nursing home and one spouse stays at home, that spouse needs some assets to live off of. They also need some income you know, to live off of. So so the way the spouse's maintenance needs work, that's all about income. And so in general, let me give you the number first. So for 2018, the spouse's maintenance needs monthly income limit is $3,090 of monthly income. For 2017, it was $3,022.50 of monthly income. So now let's talk about, let's analyze what that means. 
So the way this works, again, think about it, one spouse in the nursing home, one spouse in the community. The community spouse always gets to keep all of their monthly income. It's not counted, unlike for assets purposes. And, and let me go back to assets because some people think if they have separate property, then that doesn't count. But Medicaid disregards um, separate property for purposes of Medicaid qualification. So they just look at the combined assets of both spouses. They don't care whether it's community or separate. But for purposes of this income test, it does matter who's getting the income, whose name is on the monthly income check. So the way it works is the spouse who's at home gets to keep all of their income, whether it's $1,000 or whether it's $7,000 a month, their pension, their Social Security, maybe income from their separate property, they get to keep that. If the community spouse's monthly income that they're getting is less than $3,090, then the community spouse gets to keep enough of the institutionalized spouse's income so that the community spouse gets $3,090 of monthly income. So let me give you an example. Let's make it simple. Both husband and wife are each getting $2,000 of monthly income, pension, social security, some other form of income. And so husband has to go into the nursing home and let's say they have assets below the $125,000, So they have, like I said earlier, a home, a car and $100,000 in the bank. They pass the asset test. So what happens to their income? They're each getting $2,000 a month of income. Well, the wife, the community spouse, she'll get to keep her $2,000 of monthly income because the community spouse always gets to keep their income. But will she get to keep any of the husband's, the institutionalized spouse's income? Well, what we have to do is a calculation. We know that for 2018, the spouse's maintenance needs is $3,090 of income in a month. She's already keeping her own $2,000, so she'll be able to keep $1,090 of her husband's income, and then the remaining, for purposes of this um, example, the remaining $910 of the husband's monthly income will get assigned to the nursing home to pay for part of his uh, nursing home stay, and then Medicaid will take care of the difference. Know that for purposes of this example, um, Medicaid, for example, allows people to keep $38 of their monthly income as what's called their personal needs allowance. They allow a Medicaid recipient to pay for their health insurance out of their income. So there's a few little exceptions to, um, to what I've been talking about. So it's it's not a completely accurate statement, but it's kind of a blunt statement that says that the spouse who's living at home is going to be able to keep the first $3,090 of monthly income. Again, they can use that to live off of, plus the whatever assets they have that are below the spousal resource standard. Okay, so we're going through a lot of stuff here, but it's good stuff. And then the other kind of numerical, mathematical item I want to address is, um, and something that hasn't changed in the last 10 years, 
is Louisiana's average monthly cost um, uh, for private patients of, an, of nursing facility services. So why I'm getting into that is because some people who um, they realize it very late that there's about to be a nursing home situation and they have countable resources, they have money in the bank, they want to transfer that money out of their name and get themselves below the whatever the resource standard might be. Well, you can't do that without some penalty. Um, they don't let you just give away your money, transfer your money out of your name right before you go into a nursing home and expect to get all these government benefits. So what they do is when a transfer is made, if it was made with, within the five years prior to going into a nursing home and applying for Medicaid, let's say at the last minute, um, single mom, dad died years ago, single mom is about to go into the nursing home and she has $100,000 in the bank. And family says, uh-oh, should have done something a long time ago because we're learning that, you know, the mom can't have more than $2,000. So the, <clears throat> excuse me, the family gets together and, and they transfer that $100,000 out of mom's name into, let's just say into the two kids' names. And, and then, <clears throat> so now mom has less than $2,000. She's going to the nursing home. She applies for Medicaid. And then as part of the Medicaid application, they ask mom, in the last five years, have you transferred anything out of your name? You got to tell the truth. And so they say, yeah, you know, um, you know, three months ago, we kind of figured this was going to happen. So we transferred $100,000 of mom's money to the two kids. Well, ding, ding, ding. Um, that triggers a, 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 a calculation and it triggers a penalty period. So what they do is they take the value of the assets that have been transferred, $100,000, and they divide it by this number that Medicaid has determined to be the average monthly cost for private pay patients in nursing homes. And this number hasn't changed in more than 10 years. So they've 10 years ago, they calculated the average cost for one month in a nursing home at $4,000. And so what they do is they do a mathematical calculation. $100,000 was the amount transferred. Divide that by $4,000, which is what 10 years ago they determined to be the average monthly cost of a nurse, of one month in a nursing home. And then, you know, you do that math and you come up with 25 and that's 25 months. So um, what that means is because mom transferred $100,000 out of her name three months ago, she's ineligible for Medicaid for the next 25 months. And the 25 month penalty period doesn't start until two things happen. One, um, mom's in the nursing home. And two, she applies for Medicaid and qualifies for Medicaid, except for the fact that she had made a transfer, um, you know, within the previous five years. So she's in a nursing home. She has less than $2,000. That's when the 25-month period starts. It doesn't start when she makes the gift. It starts when she's in a nursing home and she applies for Medicaid and gets denied because of the fact that the transfer had been made. But otherwise, she would have qualified for Medicaid. So um, that really, you know, eliminates a lot of the uh, last-minute strategies that people think that they have in order to qualify for Medicaid. And again, 
The, the lower this average monthly cost is, $4,000, the longer the penalty period. And so I'm kind of surprised that um, Medicaid hasn't adjusted this $4,000 figure because it's, it's been that number since 2007. And the costs of long-term care on an annual basis have skyrocketed since 2007. So they really ought to keep up with that, but they haven't. Okay, so there you have it. What all of that means is, you know, having helped people with this since, you know, 1991 when I started working as an estate planning lawyer, what I hear most from people is, I wish we would have known about this earlier, or we should have done something five years ago. Um, so the people who you know, kind of win at this game are the people who get themselves educated about what the rules are, what the system is. They work with, with somebody who can guide them through all of this, and they set things up in a timely manner and get it right the first time. Those are the people who um, typically are most successful at simply protecting what they've worked for and not losing it to these kind of government interferences. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, so, you know, planning ahead clearly is the key. You know, people talk about in the state planning, you know, planning for what happens when you die. You know, you really, nobody knows when they're gonna die, but you gotta, you just gotta get this stuff done before you die. Now, sometimes people die in their 30s or 40s or 50s, you never know. But with protecting assets and taking advantage of what our government allows you to do um, to protect what you have. Um, you really have to plan, you know, at least five years ahead of any kind of nursing home situation. So again, who knows when you're gonna get sick? Who knows when you're gonna have a stroke? Um, who knows when you're gonna become incapable? So, but you know, normally it's people in their uh, their 60s, um, maybe their mid-60s or a little later. Clearly, people in their 70s are prime targets for um, Medicaid planning. Once people get into their 80s, they start wondering, uh-oh, is it too late, depending upon their health and their circumstances. Once they're in their 90s, most people feel like, well, it's, it's too late. We should have done this a long time ago. So there you have it. Medicaid planning, it's not for everybody. You know, the really wealthy people, um, they can cover the cost out of their own pocket. The middle class, those are the people that get really hammered uh, by our system. The people who don't save anything, like it or not, the government's going to take care of them because it's a means-tested program. So um, key is educate yourself, uh, take action. Um, if you want to find out more, go check out our, our YouTube channel. Uh, get on YouTube and maybe do a search for Rabelais Estate Planning, LLC. Made hundreds of videos. Uh, check out these podcasts. If you live in Louisiana, in particular South Louisiana, because we have offices that cover you know uh, pretty much anybody in South Louisiana, uh, from Metairie, Mandeville, Baton Rouge to Lafayette, 
you can contact our office and really kind of start a conversation and we can walk you through uh, putting a program in place to protect what you have. Phone number is 866-491-3884. I hope that helped. Subscribe to the YouTube uh, to the well to the YouTube channel, but also subscribe to this podcast if you felt like you know it provided you with value. Look forward to providing much more value to you. Um, so um, take care. <laughs>